0: Welcome to Valley Lights Online. I live pretty far away from most of my family. I grew up in New York now I live in Southern California. And how about you? I mean, have you? do you live in a place where a lot of your family is clustered in the same region or the same city? Or are you guys spread out across the country? I think that's kind of more the common thing these days. There's so much mobility, it's, it's easy for You have family members and kids kind of spread out all over the place. Early on, I wondered a little bit about what's my role in my family? You know, we've been focused on building our lives out here. I, you know, even though I grew up in New York, I moved out here for college, started having a family and being a part of the church and now starting a new church. And there's a lot of physical distance. I mean, many, many miles in between me and the majority of my family on the East Coast. You might be in a place where there's a lot of relational distance. Family is a place where you can find a lot of expectations, a lot of emotions of different kinds, and maybe, maybe you've wondered, what should I do about these family relationships? What is my role here? My name is Bruce. I'm the Lead Pastor at Valley Lights, and I'd love to get the chance to meet you and say hello if you leave your contact info. Last week, we started a new message series called, Who Are My Peeps? <laughs> Who are my people? And we've been looking at the impact on our lives of close relationships. So last week we talked about spiritual family, the incredible impact that we can have if we team together with God's people, and really how our understanding of God really deepens as we spend time with the family and the household of God. This week we're looking at the impact of being in our biological family, did you pick your parents? <laughs> did you decide how many siblings that you'd have? Or did you have any control whatsoever over who your uncles and your aunts are? No, you didn't, you didn't pick any of them. You've got lots of family members, and you didn't, you didn't choose anybody. <laughs> Actually, God did. God picked who your family members would be. He created you, and He placed you smack dab in the middle of your family on purpose. God created you with the intention to do good while you're here on earth and one of the places that you can have a significant long long-term impact is in your own family. So in today's message we're going back to our roots which is kind of fun for me because this weekend I'm actually being visited by my dad who normally lives in Florida and he's coming out to visit and that's, that's just kind of an exciting time to, to share some more time with family you may or may not know a lot about your greater family tree. I'd love to do one of those fascinating background studies, you know, those ancestry things that you can do online and and go back beyond your parents and grandparents even further. I don't know too far back in my history, but I do have a a family photo I want to show you. This is actually a, a cherished photo in my family. This is on my dad's side. This is a picture of the Wood family. Uh, In fact, my gram has this photo enlarged and framed on her wall because of uh, the memories it represents. And you can actually see me in there. I'm I'm sitting on my dad's lap. I think I'm I'm the only boy sitting on a lap there. So you can see me. And actually it kind of looks very similar to the way you can often find my son sitting on my lap nowadays. (laughs) But this was a picture when uh, we spent every summer on the lake and we had these big get togethers and that was tons of fun, lots of family memories from that. Um, I've also got another photo of a, a, a family, our family tree. So this is an, an artistic vision of what the family tree could look like. It's an you know, you got trees and branches here. Um, and then the names of me, I'm in there, and, and our kids and my dad. And towards the, the towards the trunk, there's Bruce Lockley Wood. So my name, I'm Bruce Wood, but I'm Bruce Jacob Wood. <laughs> Bruce Lockley Wood was my grandfather, uh, who I actually never got the pleasure of meeting. Um, he died early on, before I was born. And uh, it, it is fun to see, though, things sprouting out from him and uh, my, my other family members. So the funny thing about family trees like this, though, is the tree keeps growing. So three of my four kids made it on there. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if they're gonna be able to go back and add and keep changing to this, but this is, this is a snapshot at a certain point in time. But when I look at photos like this, or I remember my family members and the impact that they've all had, I, I'm really filled with a lot of gratitude for the family that God used to bring me up. And I, I, I do especially have a big debt to my dad. Uh, some dads, are absent. Some dads are working all the time. But My dad somehow managed to work very hard to provide for all of us, and at the same time he was very present for me and my sisters. He was present for every every event, every camping trip, um, every holiday, and God really worked through my dad and a lot of my family members to instill some values that I, I still carry today. God uses family relationships in significant ways. No family is perfect. Uh, For some, the topic of family may be somewhat of a difficult one. Uh, There tends to be a greater amount of conflict and pain, especially in situations when uh, people get off track from God's design for life and for family relating. So, where there's brokenness across generational lines, uh, there's usually a case where people have moved away from God's original intention for how to do family. So when you read the Bible, you actually get the sense that family trees matter to God. The whole sprouting family matters a lot to God, and He keeps track of it. God thinks generationally, and He works through family trees. What one generation does with its life can have a major impact on the people that follow. And the Bible is full of genealogies. That's how we know this. Um, actually, there's a, there's a guy in our church who, who's told me a few times, he gets bogged down, especially in the Old Testament of the Bible, when you read all of the genealogies and all the begets, where it says, and this guy beget this guy, and he had a son, and his name was this, and then you just you got these, this long list of names, and you're like, why are these even in here? I, I've got no personal connection to these guys. Well, genealogies matter a lot to God. Generations of families matter. In fact, here's another photo of, of a genealogy that you can find in the Bible. And this is the genealogy of Jesus. So if you look at this photo, you can see um, on, the, on the left-hand side, it starts with Adam, the first man, and all of you know, his sons and grandsons on to Noah and down to Abraham and all the guys in between to King David. Then splitting off from King David is the line of Joseph and then the line of Mary, who were Jesus' parents, and all the people in between, all them, to finally get into Jesus. And this is all recorded in the New Testament of the Bible and God took time to make sure that that was in there. And when you read these lists of names, though, what am I supposed to take away from that? Well, one thing is that God focuses on families and He unfolds His plan to save the world through people. It's amazing. God's method is men and women who trust and obey Him throughout their lives. And I believe God wants more people. He wants more kids, more generations to keep unfolding. Look at Psalm 145, verse 4. It says, One generation will declare your works to the next and proclaim your mighty acts. God wants us, He wants our generation to pass on our faith to the next. And this happens in each of our households. So let me show you one family that was devoted to God and the good that they did. There was a man who lived in the 1700s who had a good handle on the importance of family relationships. His name was Jonathan Edwards. He lived uh, from 1703 to 1758. He was a Christian preacher and theologian, and it was said of him in one of the biographies that uh, Jonathan Edwards was very godly. Uh, he was also an uncommonly hard-working, intelligent, and moral person. So, somewhere around the 20th century, some research was done on the history of his descendants. And so they found somewhere around uh, 1,400 people that they could tie back to him. And of those people, they found 100 of them became lawyers. 30 became judges. Uh, There were 13 college presidents. Uh, Over 100 were professors. 62 became physicians. 100 clergymen, missionaries, and theological professors. 80 of his descendants got elected to public office. There were mayors and governors members of Congress, Senators, and even one Vice President, that was Aaron Burr. Um, 60 were authors, 75 of them were Army or Navy officers, and then one was a controller of the US Treasury. So think about all those people that flow out of this one guy and his wife, and think about the fields of influence and, and the positions of leadership in society. This family I think had a pretty disproportional impact on the world around them because of their influence. How would you like to leave that kind of legacy? Jonathan Edwards and his wife, they were like a power duo that understood the impact of a strong family legacy. They must have demonstrated to their kids that true success comes from walking with God and really submitting to his standards of living. Our ability to have that kind of influence might be blocked. So some common strategies to family life that, that you might see nowadays or live with that might prevent us from having that kind of impact. One, one strategy is to allow distance to grow. And of course there's physical distance, but as I mentioned, sometimes there's relational distance that comes from um, damage or hurt or fallouts um, and pain. And so sometimes we can box people out or just stay isolated from family members. That's, that's one thing that'll just limit our impact. Another would be kind of the opposite direction, just pour all of our resources into my immediate family here and now, just me and mine, my kids, and really just focus on enjoyment now um, without really looking further down the road and figuring out this kind of concept of generations. We can just be focused really just on, on the pleasure of now. With a life devoted to Jesus Christ, we can have a powerful impact for years to come. We can really leave a mark on history because God places us in our family to make the gospel, the good news about Jesus, to make that attractive and to have a generational impact. For followers of Christ, God places us in our family to influence others towards God. So if you walk with Him, one of the big reasons that you're here and your heart's beating and you're breathing is to declare God's goodness, making the gospel vibrant and attractive. We can be a light to those who don't know Jesus and an encouragement to those that already do. So when you look at the New Testament of the Bible, you see that the spread of Christianity, it, it often made its way through entire family units. The church often grows through households. And uh, in the early church, this was really the primary way that Christianity, Christianity spread for, for years. There's a story of the jailer, the person who was in charge of a jail, and uh, he came to Paul and Silas, two church leaders, and he said, What must I do to be saved? He was in a moment of crisis, and in the book of Acts, uh, they replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. It says, Even at that hour of the night, because it was real late at the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds, And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, had like a big, you know, big family meal, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. This actually comes up again and again, and it's sort of different than our traditional individualistic understanding of life. Another guy in the New Testament, his name was Crispus, he was a synagogue ruler, uh, it says his entire household believed after hearing Paul. Cornelius was the first non-Jewish person to put his faith in Jesus. says his entire household also believed. Lydia was a clothing vendor and says the Lord opened her heart and her household was baptized. Zacchaeus, Jesus told him today salvation has come to this house. Another one, Stephana, his whole household was baptized by Paul. So The good news, you can see the good news about Jesus, this new life that we can have with God, is it's made its way through entire family units. Entire households coming to Christ was a normal thing. This was a natural way for people to shift identity as a a group like that. So, Christian homes have a very special part to play in God's redemptive story. God might have placed you right in the middle of your family to have influence, and he might work through you to make the good news about Jesus compelling and attractive. This can bring tremendous meaning and purpose to our lives. So how do you do this practically? How, how would you actually influence your family in a positive way? How do you live out loving your family in the way that that would that would cause this hap- to happen? The Bible provides the guidance that we need. So how do, I, how, do, how do I love my family? There's a story about a man who was paralyzed that Jesus healed. He was desperate for healing and they lowered him in through the roof. And in Matthew 9, 6, Jesus tells the man, he heals him and forgives his sins. He says, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And when he tells him to go home, you're like, "That seems kind of anticlimactic. Just just go home and sit on the couch. <laughs> I mean, going home is kind of like calling it quits, usually in our way of thinking. Jesus did the same thing with a man who was demon-possessed. The guy had a lot of suffering. Jesus frees him and heals him um, from a demon called Legion. And in Luke 8, it says the man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with Jesus. But Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your whole family and tell them everything God has done for you. So, he went through all the town proclaiming the great things that Jesus had done for him. Many times we read how Jesus said, go home. And something, you know, after something amazing happens, and the focus isn't on home or the couch. The focus is on the people who live at home. As if to say, God did something incredible in your life. Go home and talk about it. The people at home know what you were like before, and they'll be amazed when they see the difference that Christ has done. So one of the most important ways to love your family well is to declare what God has done for you. We can talk about God with our family members, whether it's with our spouse, or with our kids at the dinner table, or extended family. We can reflect on on the really big way that He's had mercy on us, or just reflect on the many small ways that God cares for us in the flow of daily life. Sometimes this requires being really bold. Uh, Talking about God can sometimes feel weird, especially if you're not sure how the other person feels about God. And I've felt this way many times, and then I realized, God is a pretty big part of my life. He's done so much for me. It'd it almost be weird not to talk about God all the time. We, we, we've got to be bold and declare what He's done. I don't know if you ever heard Del Taco. Their slogan for a while was, Go bold or go home. I think Jesus might say, Go bold and go home. <laughs> go to the people that you know well, and that know you, and let them see the difference that God has made in your life. There's another way to love our family well, and for that we'll look into a very specific family relationship, the one of husband and wife. Um, Really, to do this, uh, becoming one is the focus. In Malachi 2.15, this is another verse, has not the Lord made them one? Meaning husband and wife. Hasn't God made Married, couples one, in flesh and in the Spirit, they're His. God's design is for there to be total oneness between husbands and wives. Really, this comes across as a huge priority in Scripture. There's so many things that pull in our marriages. Um, offenses, deceptions, um, acts of unfaithfulness or inconsideration, uh, being selfish. There can just be a lot of wedges that just get put in between this relationship over and over. It's just a battle to to keep removing and eliminating the threats to our unity. Total unity in marriage is a powerful reflection of God, uh, the Father's unity with Jesus. And it's a really a reflection of the incredible unity between Jesus and His bride, the Church. So when when marriages are unified and one, it's a compelling witness to the world of God's love. So when you're thinking in terms of a multi-generational impact, that potential gets blown to bits if the starting place, the marriage, is fractured. Marriage is the starting place for a family tree to grow strong roots that can support growth for decades and uh, even a century or more. It's really a starting place for descendants to learn to walk with him. So if you're married, is there anything threatening your unity right now? Or are there any obstacles to your oneness right now? Is there anything blocking you from having that? We, we have to aggressively deal, deal with those things. So marriage is a very important focus. Uh, the second part of that verse, though, we see another one of God's purposes for marriage. It says, and really the, the purpose is to, to raise godly children. God wants marriages to be unified in order to produce godly kids. In Malachi 2.15, again, it says uh, Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit they are his. And why one? Why has God unified us? Because he was seeking godly offspring. Based on this detail alone, I think we might assume that Jonathan Edwards and his wife had a unified marriage. They must have been pretty close. It's not likely that their descendants would have had near the impact on society if there was a a lot of division in their marriage. God gives special instructions to fathers too. In Ephesians 6, 4 it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So for those of us who have kids, raising them to walk with God in a humble, exact, and wise way, it's got to be our highest priority when it comes to raising kids. More high than, uh, higher than teaching them athletics or how to make money or giving them opportunities or education or fun, the highest priority is this. If, if anything else is a higher priority than learning to walk with God, um, they're likely to stumble in life. One of the most significant things that you might do is raise godly kids. What if the biggest mark you leave and the most memorable thing that happens from your life are the children who make an impact after you? What if your life isn't just about you? What, about, what if it's about those that come after you? You're in the middle, or if if you are in the middle of the parenting role, it can be really easy for intentional training to get pushed to the back burner, especially when it comes to spiritually developing our kids. We've gotta find ways to keep bringing it back to the front focus, especially when our kids are young. And if you have grown adult children, your role as a parent is done, at least in the the training sense. Um, And you can see where your kids have ended up. And it might be that your kids, your adult children, bring you a lot of joy, and you can continue to play a supportive role. Uh, for others, the kids might bring a lot of grief and, and sadness. You can continue to pray for them, to engage them in whatever degree that you're able to, uh, but never give up hope that God is in control and that He loves them even more than, than you do and that we can. No one's ever too far gone. No one's out of reach of His love. So, looking back at this theme of family impact, what about extended family? For most of us, our extended family is kind of a mixed bag of relationships. There may be some good ones and some tough ones. God placed us in our families to be a light and and to influence them toward God. So, how does that work with relatives? One important guiding principle is to share love and faithfulness over the long term. In Proverbs uh, chapter 3, I love this statement here. It says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Meaning, don't ever, ever let go of this. Love and faithfulness. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. If all of our interactions are based on love and faithfulness, just patiently being trustworthy over a long period of time, maybe even years, and we continue to declare the good things that God has done, but always being gentle and respectful. God might give us specific opportunities to share the good news and draw people closer to Christ. And for those relatives who are already believers, we can be a big encouragement to them, especially as they see our faithfulness over decades. But if if you really think about it, family members—they hang around for a while, <laughs> and uh, there may be things that come up in their in their lives that are difficult or struggles they go through. And if your pattern has been love and faithfulness, you might be seen as a trustworthy person to get help and advice from. You might be able to be positioned to give help, point them toward God, and he might say, "Yeah, that might work for." most of my relationship, but there's one relationship that this will not work. Maybe there's a strain there. Maybe there's bitterness or grudges from offenses that just get built up over time. If so, that will of course will be a huge obstacle to our ability to be aligned. It'll really limit us from fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. So the last thing is, it's imperative, it's necessary that we clear up strained relationships. For many people, family is a great place to just sweep stuff under the rug because it can be really hard to own an offense with a sibling or a family member, it's really hard to do. Romans twelve eighteen gives us some instructions on this. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God places a really high priority on our relationships, and we can't let things go unaddressed. And this really takes tremendous humility (laughs) to go back and clear up any strain that's there. But just think, what if the offense is an obstacle to our family having a multi-generational impact? It's never too late to start relating well now. And if we've done what it says in Romans 12, 8, we've done all that we can, we can move forward with a sense of peace that even if things don't fully get smoothed out, I've done what I can and I can have peace with that. With all of our family relationships, uh, <clears throat> we do what we can to relate right and trust God with the rest. So today we've gone back to our roots and we looked at a handful of family relationships. In one sense, your family is your peeps. And if you're a follower of Jesus, God put you in your family. And one of the reasons is to make the gospel attractive and to make a generational impact. So look over those five ways to love your family. Which one might need your attention this week? Maybe you might decide to talk about God's goodness when when I'm with family. Or you might decide, "I, I need to deal with some threats to the unity of my marriage. Or I need to be investing, I need to carve out some time this week to invest in the spiritual development of my kids. Or, I'll just be patient with my relatives and my family, practicing love and just faithfulness over the long haul. Or, number five might be to uh, go back and clear up a strained relationship. Incredibly, God took the very first step by welcoming us into his family. We have gained access into his household. What an incredible and humbling thought that is. That was the big focus of last week's message. One of the most significant things that you can do in turn if, you, if, you walk, if you've been welcomed into God's family is to invest in your biological family. This takes a lot of effort and resources, sometimes patience. It can be really hard and uncomfortable, but we resonate when we're doing what God has created us to do. So when you look back on your life, thinking about your happiness, your, your amount of fulfillment, it's going to be tied to have I lived out loving people well? Have I lived out the great commandment in my, my very own family? One of my mentors has got a statement on this topic. He says, people tend to overestimate what they can accomplish in a year. And then they underestimate what they can achieve in a decade. But people rarely estimate what they can accomplish generationally. Sometimes we don't think that far down the line. A lot of people think about their kids And their grandkids but what about after that? What's your last name? What has your family name been known for? What's characterized your family line? Maybe you are the link in the chain that will redeem your family name and set a new trajectory for all the descendants after you. You've got a very important role to play in your household and Walking with God, your household is an important part of God's family tree. Imagine the good that God can do through you and through your people in generations that come through your faithfulness and trust in the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for redeeming us and for those that you've welcomed into your family. Um, You've given us such a role to share the light and the good news with others. Um, I thank you for putting us in our family, you know, we don't get to pick our family members, and maybe that's better. <laughs> um, I pray that you would help us to um, respond to your love to us by loving and being faithful to people around us and our families. Pray that we would be able to declare your goodness, to practice this kind of love, and really have an impact generationally to be a part of building your kingdom and bringing glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.